a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 8, Moon Master. Congratulations, you're the Moon Master. That's right, Moon. You best check yourself. First, you wreck yourself. Moonmaster premiering September 19th, 2004, and there's actually three titles on this episode. The original title when it aired was Moonmaster, and that's what I'm sticking with because it's the shortest title. Otherwise, on the DVD when this box set came out at the end of 2005, it was called Moon and Nights 4, The Final Mooning, same way as the Remooned episode was titled Moon and Nights 3, Remooned. However, on HBO Max, it is referred to as The Moon and Night's Final Mooning. So, three separate titles there. I'll just be going with Moonmaster. Again, it's the shortest. And this being a yet another episode that I did see live on TV, I saw it once, and I went back and watched it fairly recently when I, when I did the Aquadonk side piece about the Moon and Nights. I went back and watched all the Moon and Night episodes. And I think this one is my favorite. This one is infinitely funny to me. I love this one so much. And this is being a rare Moon and Night episode where the Moon and Knights are in it and they kind of drive the plot, but they're not in it as much as the other ones. They're not really as in your face as other Moon and Night episodes. The Moon and Knights show up, they basically set the tone of what the episode will be about, and then they kind of dip in and out. They're not there the entire time. So I'm excited to jump in and kind of see how they're used that way. They're using them in a new way here. I already told you up front I love it, but we'll see We'll see how it goes frame by frame, scene by scene, like we always do. But before we can do that, we got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news. This week, I don't got anything for you. There are no new developments regarding the upcoming five episodes. To my knowledge, off the top of my head... I think they're probably done recording them all at this point, but I don't know where the animation process is at or anything like that. And if you'll remember, Matt Malero's film, Postocalypse, should be coming out for free this month. Although I don't know, because when I talked to Matt in December, he said it might be in April, but we still haven't heard anything yet. So so who knows when that will be. But again, I'll let you know. And Postocalypse is coming out for free on Tubi, so there's no reason not to watch it when it comes out. But again... Uh, no new news regarding that. As always, I will let you know here whenever I know anything regarding any Aqua Teen stuff. If we don't hear about Postocalypse by the end of the month, I'll reach out to Matt and ask him. How about that? As for our podcast news, our community news this week, we have a correction thanks to CN100EG over on Twitter. I will put a link to this tweet in the show notes. But they reached out to me with a very interesting visual error in RoboSitter that I did not catch. And they say that they haven't seen this mentioned anywhere else. And uh, it's a really crazy error. Basically, when Frylock and Shake are at Slurp-A-Lunch the second time in the episode. This is after Shake presents like the, the uh, shredded Slurp-A-Bowl uniform to Frylock. 
Frylock kind of floats past Shake, and then towards the very end of the uh, shot, Frylock's uniform just instantly disappears at the end of the frame. So very good catch here. I think this is fascinating that, yeah, I did not catch this whatsoever. So again, link to this in the show notes. I suggest you, you check out the screenshots provided. Thank you, CN100EG, for this, this epic find. Moving on, straight from Japan, our boy Ian. He's still on the hentai search. I cannot believe it, but I really do appreciate it. Of course, the the forbidden Aqua Teen Hunger Force hentai. Some say it's a myth. Some say it's a legend. In my heart of hearts, I believe. Ian, what do you got for us? Hey, Ronnie, Ian here. Let me get you up to speed on this here hentai hunt. So my friend was a little skeptical, but they gave me a few people to reach out to. I sent out some feelers over this week, but until today, I had nothing. I was honestly ready to write the whole thing off and forget about it. Then I got a call from a number I didn't recognize on the train home today. I couldn't answer, but they left a message. Uh, I'll just play it for you now. So I know you're fluent, um, but for the listeners at home, this guy says his name is Matsuhiro Malero and basically told me uh, I should give up on finding this Aqua Teen Hentai, but if I really want it to come to this address he gave me. Honestly, personally, I think this is just someone yanking my chain. I don't know who, uh, but I am going to be in the area he mentioned this weekend. If I've got some time, I'll go check it out. Not expecting anything, but we'll see what happens. All right, man. Namaste and sayonara for now. Ian, this Matsuhiro Malero guy, he sounds like bad news. You you have to be careful. You have to protect yourself. I didn't want you getting caught up in anything like this. I know you were just going to Japan for a beautiful, wonderful vacation, and uh, it's turning into a little bit more than that. I really hope I hope that you can stay safe. I trust your judgment. I know that you've lived there uh, before, so hopefully you will be okay. I just can't, I can't help but keep going back to this name, Matsuhiro Malero. It sounds familiar, like something that I've heard before, but I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it, so maybe if anybody listening in knows, they can reach out. But Ian, please stay safe. Please let us know if anything that you're okay I know that this hentai is very important to me, but it's it's not worth your life, so just don't get yourself in a bad situation, okay? Again, you can follow Ian's uh, journey over on Twitter. That is at SpeedBeats with a Z. Link to that in the description, the show notes, whatever you want to call it. It's down there. Just keep an eye on him. Reach out to him. Make sure he's still alive. But all right, I don't know how in a time like this we can focus on what was happening the week that Moonmaster premiered. But the show must go on. We gotta do it. What the heck was happening September 19th, 2004? Let's give it a look. Emulating a late 1930s style all the way to the top of the box office, this week we have Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow raking in $15 million dollars which would have been a much more impressive number in 1939 than it was in 2004. This is a pretty low grossing film for being top of the box office. Uh, it's six million less than uh, the, the Resident Evil movie we talked about last week. And even that was kind of a lower grossing film. 
But when I saw this title, for some reason, I thought it was a kid's film. Like how a kid's movie was top of the box office, which which certainly happens, like with Shrek and films like that. But this is not a kid's film. I, I quickly found out. It is rated PG, but I don't think it's intended to be a children's film. We have stars such as Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Angelina Jolie. Not really anybody I was really paying attention to at the time. But this film, again, set in the late 30s with like a futuristic twist. New York City gets attacked by flying giant robots. And a reporter teams up with a pilot in search of their origin, the origin of the robots as well as the reason for the disappearance of famous scientists around the world. And there's a lot of interesting kind of practical effects in a way on this one, just like old-timey looking effects mixed in with, with some modern effects like 3D robots and, and things like that. It's a really interesting and unique look, almost comic booky in a way. It has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, so a pretty decent ratings on this one. And the title here, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, the World of Tomorrow portion is modeled after the 1939-1940 New York World's Fair. That's what it was called. And in case you're curious, there is no shared cast or crew between Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Aqua Teen isn't the only show on Cartoon Network causing controversies, though. The day previous, on September 18th of 2004, there's a Powerpuff Girls episode airing in Canada that never quite makes it to the United States. This episode was banned in most countries because of its religious themes, and this episode is called See Me, Feel Me, Know Me. And I'm not sure that this one is on HBO Max. I couldn't find it, but I didn't spend forever looking for it. It looks like you can watch it on YouTube, but it eventually did come to the U.S. in 2009 via the Powerpuff Girls Complete Box Set. But the gist of this episode is the Powerpuff Girls, they are defeated in battle against all the villains of Townsville. There's just too many of them. These little girls, they can only do so much. So they get defeated, and then it starts to rain. And there's a raindrop that hits the ground, a, a flower blooms, and on that petal is a gnome. And the gnome basically makes an arrangement with the Powerpuff Girls saying, if you give up your powers, all of the villains will go away. And eventually the Powerpuff Girls are like, okay, we'll do that. That's worth it. And they do it. All the villains do go away. Nomi basically absorbs the Powerpuff Girls' powers and, and kicks their asses to the curb. And the people of Townsville are so excited that they essentially form a cult around this Nomi character. He becomes like a god in the episode. And uh, to, fi to finish up the, the plot here, long story short, Nomi, the power goes to his head, he becomes evil, and because of that, he breaks the contract because he, he agreed to get rid of evil. Well, he became evil, so the Powerpuff Girls get their powers back and they basically uh, take care of him and, and he realizes that he's a bad guy. But yeah, that episode was banned because of the religious context in the episode, this whole cult, uh, utopian society that is built around Nomi, and I don't know if it ever did end up airing, at least in the United States, but it sounds like a decent episode. Again, you can watch it on YouTube, or if you buy that box set, but I don't know that it's on HBO Max. So, moving on here to our music. No new music this week. It's all the same as it was last week. Our top album is Live Like You Were Dying by Cowboy Tim McGraw. This time only selling over 200,000 copies this week, which, I mean, I say only. That's an insane number. Our top single is still Goodies by Sierra. 
And then our top alternative single is Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park. Last week in our previous episode, I messed up. I said, I think I said it was Faint or Numb or some other Linkin Park song. It is still Breaking the Habit. That is the song that is currently dominating the top alternative charts uh, this month in 2004. But uh, to take a step back again to September 18th, I would like to announce congratulations to newlyweds Britney Spears and Kevin Federline. Their marriage lasted about three years. They divorced in 2007. I remember this. I remember when this happened, and I still don't really know who Kevin Federline is. Is he a singer? Is he a dancer? I don't know, and I, you know, I don't care any more than I did back then, so we'll leave it there. But congratulations to those two. And before we head to our video games this week, I just want to shout out the album Funeral by Arcade Fire. That comes out on the 14th, so five days before Moonmaster premieres. I'm not a huge Arcade Fire guy, but they got some good songs. So moving into our video games this week, and let me tell you, we have a, a very juicy game to talk about here. We have The Sims 2 coming out on September 14th. 2004 and the sims is one of those kind of coveted games i always had growing up i'm sure you're familiar with it but if you're not the sims it's a simulation game where you build a family and then you build their house and you can make them go to work you can make them fall in love you can make them die if you put them in a pool and then take the ladder out and then they swim to death or you can make them cook a lot and then they burn the house down and you block all the doors all sorts of of possibilities here you get to play god and we would play this at my cousin's house and a few different sets of my cousins had this game but we never did but uh and when i say we i mean my sister and i not like i'm referring to myself uh, uh, as we uh, my sister and i would go to their houses and and play this game and i always wanted it i never had it until i was an adult but i've played a lot of sims 2 i mean it's, it's the sims what more could you say about it uh one time i streamed it uh, this was one of my most popular streams ever because I was playing with my wife and we had some friends on a call and I was making all of our friends and I was trying to make them all woohoo each other, if you know what I'm saying. And I just arbitrarily streamed it to YouTube and there was a bunch of people, random people who I didn't know watching, getting very invested in the characters and, and, their, and their love triangles, their love stories. So The Sims, great series of games I kind of want to boot up and play now. And the one thing that makes me angry, and please do let me know if, if there's something like this, I wish they made a multiplayer Sims. That would be awesome, where you could, you could build and control stuff, but also other people can. I know that's insane. But like they have that for Roller Coaster Tycoon. There's like open Roller Coaster Tycoon where you can play with people and you all build in the same park and i'm sure there's other tycoon games so come on sims but all right it is september 19th 2004 you certainly are not seeing the powerpuff girls see me feel me know me unless you are in canada in which case lucky you you're getting exposed to some bigger philosophical concepts good on you uh, music this week is boring. You heard it all before, but you're very excited about Britney Spears' wedding. And none of this even matters because you've just been grinding in The Sims 2. You've been woohooing everybody nonstop. Uh, your sim and your fingers are raw at this point from all this woohooing you've been doing. 
you got to take a break. You got to rest your clicker finger because you've been playing too much Sims. You got to watch some TV while you ice your finger. What is coming on Adult Swim tonight? I am here to tell you. It's the same lineup we've been getting, but let's run through it anyways. At 11 p.m., we have Family Guy, Damn It, Janet. At 11.30 p.m., we get Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with Dead Mutt Part 2. 11.45 p.m., we get C-Lab 2021 with I, Robot, Really. Credited on this one as a writer, we have MC Chris, although... As you will know, MC Chris is no longer working on Aqua Teen at this point, but, uh, you know, he was a PA for the second season, and he voices MCP Pants. So, after that, we get this episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force at midnight, once again being our only new episode this night. After that, 12.15, it's the Brack Show with Shadows of Heat. This episode actually starring Dave Willis as, as the character George Martinez doing his voice. My name is George Martinez. I have an appointment with your father. Do you know how to get on the internet? Do I? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Do you? No. Then we are more alike than we care to admit. For I too long to surf the information superhighway. Hey, Bubba, when you gonna get off me? Mm, ten minutes, something like that. In that laughter, you can really hear a lot of Carl <laughs> in that little chuckle that Dave does. But I guess also on this episode, we have MC Chris writing here as well. So... Uh, MC Chris, uh, again, these are not new episodes, but he's he's getting his work out there. After that, at 12.30 a.m., we get the Venture Bros with Ice Station Impossible. We have Stephen Colbert showing up in that episode playing Professor Impossible, who, of course, Stephen Colbert is a mainstay of Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. That's what I love about these shows, man, is you have all these uh, similar actors just going between all of them. It, it gives it this unified feel, and there's really nothing else like it that I could think of unless you're watching maybe... Fox with uh, Seth MacFarlane's eight shows that he's on all of them. But uh, moving on from that. And again, that that uh, Venture Bros episode, though, Ice Station Impossible, was brand new the night before. Why they are airing that on Saturday and not Sunday, or rather premiering it on Saturday and not Sunday, I do not know, but that's what they're doing. At 1 a.m., we get the Oblongs with Flush, Flush, Sweet Helga. And at 1.30 a.m., we get Home Movies, with Yoko. So that is our lineup this night, the same lineup we've been getting. I think we're ready to jump in and talk about Moon Master. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is, as always, brought to you by the Moon Masters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, chipping in $1 a month, five dollars a month sometimes if they're fucking crazy enough even ten dollars a month to keep this podcast chugging along and as i always say there are other ways to support the show besides financially of course that helps out a lot but i understand not everybody can do that so even just sharing the show just talking about the show doing what you can for free to help the show it still contributes to making this the best Aqua Teen Hunger Force podcast in the tri-state area. There are a lot of you on the Twitter and the Instagram who I really appreciate, who I consistently see liking everything, commenting, retweeting. There's too many of you to name, but I really do appreciate it. Not because I'm like, oh, my, my like number went up. I mean, that is nice. I'm not going to pretend like I'm above that. But also, it helps other people see the posts and ideally find the podcast. So I do appreciate all of you. 
And this week, this past week, we had uh, Carl, and that is at Carl No Winslow. Link to that in the show notes. Uh, Carl, he liked in a previous episode. I was discussing the the Chastain Wall Ride when we were talking about our video games that week. Carl made a post about it on Twitter. I really do appreciate that. Thank you, Carl. And we have people also reviewing the podcast, so I want to shout out Shinsuke with a laptop over on iTunes there. Thank you for your review. Shinsuke's saying that they uh, love the community built around this podcast. I love it too. Of course, we have a Discord if you want to go there and hang out. Link to that in the show notes. And on Podcast Addict, the, the app that I use, Rosemary left a review. Thank you so much, Rosemary. And I, I assume that's the same Rosemary who is also a Moon Master, but Rosemary left a glowing review. I almost started crying when I read it. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Moon Master premiering September 19th, 2004 with a TV 14 rating. Which, besides the fact that going forward, we are basically always going to be at a TV-14 minimum because of the direction Aqua Teen goes in, that is very par for the course for the Moonanites. I mean, if you will recall, the very first TV-14 rating was on Mayhem of the Moonanites. Anytime they've really shown up, it's been a TV-14, except for the episode Supercomputer. They have a little cameo at the end. That episode is rated PG. But yeah, this one, a 14-rated episode, no surprise there. And I do want to say, this is the 50th episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, so we are well over a third of the way done with the show, which is very just crazy to think about, that, that, we've, that we've done so many deep dives already, but sad to see, it's like, dang man, before we know it, we'll be halfway done, and then after that, it'll be all over, unless, uh, of course, you know, we got five more episodes coming, so hopefully there's uh, more than that on the way afterwards. Being a Moon Knight episode, I mean, this doesn't inherently mean that, but in this case it does. There are no new voice actors here. It's the same cast that we've always gotten. And there is something that I really dropped the ball on when I covered Remooned that I need to discuss here right now before I forget again. And that is, in Remooned, I was saying, oh yes, we will get into why there were no season two episodes of Aqua Teen that were built around the Moonanites like we got in season one and here in season three. And the reason for that, it's not complicated. It's because during season two, they were working on Space Kataz. So it makes sense that they wouldn't want to go and make dedicated episodes to the Moonanites when they were basically getting their own spinoff show. Now, breaking that concept is, of course, we did get Universal Remonster with the Plutonians, uh, so not really sure why that is. But at the same time, we did get Moon Knights here and there throughout season two. So, you know, you know this. They they weren't completely devoid in season two. They weren't gone completely. But the reason I, I understand why Matt and Dave specifically didn't want to write more of these characters that they themselves would be voicing when the idea was that they were already going to be getting their own spinoff show. So that is why very, you know, starkly there there were no standout Moon Knight episodes, while in season one and season three, they they got two episodes dedicated to the characters. So this, uh, uh, you know, being our fourth dedicated Moon Knights episode, and you know, there are more coming. For example, Moon Awana, we get Space Caduce. Uh, Moon Knights aren't going away, don't worry. And I would not be surprised whatsoever to see them show up in these five new Aqua Teen episodes that will be coming 
I should say here, editing on this episode, we have one editor, and that is Phil Sampson. And I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast yet, but he joined on editing on Aqua Teen in season two. His first episode would have been Universal Remonster that he was credited on as an editor. He did a bunch of episodes in that season. And in season three so far, he edited on Remooned and G Wiz. And then he's back here on Moonmaster. And again, Phil is the only editor on this episode, and and you'll be familiar with the fact that basically the editors were kind of like directors in a way on the episode, so uh, you could thank Phil for the timing and, and some of the pacing on this one. So again, no new voice actors here, and as always, we are not covering Space Kataz here. We will do that on the Patreon. So hey, grab your checkbook. We're jumping in. And if you don't know what a checkbook is, uh, grab your, I don't know, Bitcoins your uh, Robux, your cell phone with your Apple and Google Pay enabled. We're jumping in. So opening the episode, we have Shake Asleep on the green chair. That's the first shot we see. And then we we pull out and we see that Meatwad is looking for his gaming system, which of course is modeled after an Atari 2600. He's looking all over. We have the controllers by the TV, but the system is nowhere to be found. So he's going to wake up Shake asking Shake if he knows where the system is. Luckily, Shake does know where the system is. And in fact, he was upgrading it for Meatwad by shoving a bunch of cookies and, and, and sweet treats inside of it, which of course attracts ants. So Shake is going to go into the hallway. He's going to come back with the gaming system and give it to Meatwad. And again, it's just covered in, in desserts and ants. Hey, hey, yeah, you, where is my high-powered video game console? <laughs> I will kick some ass if I do not find it. I told myself I wasn't going to, but you've been very good this week, so I upgraded it with these special chips. <laughs> them chocolate chips. Yeah, and them's ants. It's a new game called Ant Madness. <laughs> Only this time the game is real. Can you handle it? Deliciously. How's it work? What's the object? How many bosses must I face? It is a race against time and terror to save the world, starring Eric Stoltz. Oh, yeah, yeah. I play this all the time. Play again. Hurry, man. Before there's still time. Just roll around in there? Yeah, just piss them off real good. (laughs) Hurry, man. Before there's still time. And at the end of that scene, Frylock kind of floated in, and he is angrily looking at Shake. Of course, we'll come back to that, but back to the clip that we just listened to there's a really funny visual moment where when shake is still on the chair meatwad literally kind of like tips the whole chair up looking underneath it with shake on it so we usually don't see meatwad being particularly strong but uh that's just an ability he seems to have in this episode of of just effortlessly lifting up the chair with shake sitting in it i mean even without shake in the chair i feel like that'd probably be pretty hard for meatwad to do Uh, Otherwise, visually, not a whole lot there, but we do see the the system covered in ants and desserts. We see like a chocolate chip cookie, some chocolate bars with peanuts in them, it looks like. We see what looks like an almond joy. And then I think a wrapper for something. It kind of looks like watermelon if you just look at it based on the colors, but I think it's supposed to be a wrapper. But yeah, again, that thing is just covered in, in little specks that are supposed to be ants. Shake makes a reference that Ant Madness is a race against time and terror starring Eric Stoltz. And I looked up that specific phrase and I found the 1995 film The Prophecy, which does star Eric Stoltz alongside Christopher Walken. 
And that exact phrasing is in the film's promotional material. So here on Amazon, it says, Together they raced against time and terror to save the world as we know it. That is on IMDb as well. But again, it's on Amazon, which I think is more set in stone. And I, I think really suggests that that was the, the tagline for the prophecy. And then Matt and Dave just used it here. As far as Eric Stoltz goes, obviously he was in the prophecy, the film that... Uh, that tagline is from, but he was also in Pulp Fiction as Lance. He was in Mask as Rocky Dennis, you know, the film where Cher has an ugly son, and The Butterfly Effect, which we talked a little bit about uh, on this podcast. So back to our scene, Meatwad is very excited that Shake has upgraded his system. He added this new ant capability. So Meatwad's going to roll around in the ants, and then we'll see he just has ants all over him. And again, like I said at the beginning of, the, of this little segment, Frylock came into the room, so he's watching this happen. He's not happy about it. He's going to say something to Shake, but Shake is going to copy him and basically jinx him, which then Meatwad will be upset about because Meatwad will pull out $2 for Shake. I guess, you know, we, we see here that they are in some sort of bet against each other of if Shake can kind of jinx Frylock. What are you doing? Boom! Oh! You are so predictable. Pay up, babe! Shoot. I am the master and the commander. <laughs> I am the master and the commander. I really like Shake so far this episode. He's got a lot of great lines just off the bat. So Meatwad angrily says to Frylock, you are so predictable. And I get flashbacks to the previous episode, Robo-Sitter, because in that one, when Frylock reveals the Robo-Sitter, and more specifically her name, Shake almost accuses him of the same thing. He's like, oh, could you be more original? Uh, things like that. So I, I, I wonder if they were kind of inspired by the previous script to call Frylock predictable again. I'm not really sure, but I, I really felt a strong parallel there between these two episodes. Meatwad is covered in ants, but they don't really do anything with it. They don't have him getting bit or anything like that. It's nothing like the uh, fire ant episode of Space Ghost. Uh, it, it's like a funny visual gag, but they don't really play on it, which I think is good. This episode, it's got things to do, and Meatwad getting bit by ants isn't one of those things. So from there, we are going to cut into Frylock's room, where Frylock is cleaning out Meatwad's game system. Frylock here using what I assume is supposed to be compressed air to clean it out. He's just blowing all of the crumbs out of this thing, and... The can he is using, there's no labeling on it. I mean, we could see that there's purple on it. There's a white area in the middle where typically the, the name would be on a product, but there's nothing there. But the other visual aspect of this clip is that Meatwad will say, hey, I got this game underneath my pillow, and he'll pull it out. We see the game is called Moon Master, and on the cover we have kind of a gladiator kind of guy, but he's standing on... Uh, I, I guess it's supposed to be the moon. It kind of looks like Mars, though. It's like reddish looking, and there's like a city, like this ancient kind of cityscape in the background, but you can tell he's in space. It's absolutely crazy. And then uh, Shake's going to come in the room and start kind of dominating the conversation. Any more chocolate or no? I think we got it all. Damn, that's a good game. <laughs> Challenging, yet nutritious. <laughs> so let's play the game. Damn, don't you have any <laughs> other games? I found this one under my pillow. Thanks to the game, fairy. What you call it? <laughs> Anal blazer? Because that's what you like to play over and over, don't you? You know how you play it? I'll tell you. Level one's at a truck stop filled with lonely truckers. Level two's at a public restroom along the highway. Shake. Shake. Wow. Oh, you, you want to do? I rule 
Your world! <laughs> that, that's me while he's angry. It happened again. And of course, again, he is pulling out uh, two single dollar bills and putting them on the bed for Shake. Shake, uh, he's, he's making out pretty good here. I am looking up Anal Blazer video game, and I am very disappointed in every single one of you, myself included, that nobody has made this game yet. Anal Blazer, come on, what a title on that one. <laughs> I like... <laughs> Uh, I like how Shake just comes up with this off the top of his head. Gives us a, a rare insight into his mind, maybe. It looks like the production company behind Moon Master is called Stay Inside Games. This is spelled like the word stay and then just the uh, like apostrophe N and then side games. And I reached out to art director Bob Pettit about this episode because there's so much going on in this one visually that it, it always stood out to me. Even though I think I only saw it once as a kid, I always kind of remembered a lot of the visuals we have coming up. And regarding the title here, Bob touches on how there was media talk at the time of the negative or violent influence video games were having on, on the youth of the time. And then Bob goes on to say that comic books face the same backlash in the 40s and 50s. So that's kind of where Bob is coming from with that title of Stay Inside Games, which I think is so cool that I'm able to just ask him these things now because uh, so much of the podcast up until this point was always speculating on these things. So it's nice to get an answer here. So Meatwad, he's out $2, but he's up a free game. He's got the Moonmaster game. From the previous clip, we then go to our next scene, which we are focused in on the Aqua Teens TV, and there's a video game on the screen. So we have Meatwad playing Moon Master, and the level design is dead simple. It's basically just a straight path upwards, and Meatwad's controlling the character. Now, of course, and this is similar of other Atari games and other simplistic games, the the box art is all stylized and very cool looking but the actual game graphics are 8-bit and super simplistic and, and not very interesting at all so it's, it's funny there but yes we have meatwad controlling this little very simplistic looking gladiator kind of character it's basically almost like a stick figure with a little sword and then a little helmet on and he just walks straight up it looks like he's getting some sort of red wagon or something like that that's all you do to beat the level you just walk straight up and you and you defeat it Congratulations! <laughs> You're the Moon Master! That's right, Moon! You best check yourself! First, you wreck yourself! So that's Meatwad taking on the very first Moon Master level, going from zero points to 5,280 points in about a second's time. That's all it took him to beat it. And the very first level there, looking pretty phallic. And that's by design, because there's a commentary track on this episode, and unfortunately, this is really only the uh, related bit of info to this episode we get on that commentary track. The rest of it is very interesting, but it's regarding other stuff that has nothing to do with the episode. But we have who I believe is Nick Inkatanawat talking about how he uh, purposely made some of these levels phallic. So that's what we see here. We move on to the second level now. It's not quite as phallic as this first one. We see Meatwad's character spawn on the screen. I can't really describe the shape of the level, but it doesn't matter because he spawns right next to the red wagon or car or whatever it's supposed to be. He spawns literally right next to it. You just have to press left like one time and you'll finish the level going from 5,280 points to 7,734 points. Level two. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you. Meanwhile, he, he's enjoying himself. I guess that's all that matters, right? I mean, I think this game fucking sucks, but Meatwad, he's having a good time with it. And the announcer there, uh, you know, it's Dave Willis. Uh, he's basically talking to himself at this part in the episode. We are now moving to the third and final stage of Moon Master. And the first thing we see is the Gorgatron, which is a new Moon Knight kind of character. And it, it's uh, pretty plump, I guess, is, is the best way I could describe it. It's a little cutie pixelated character on the screen. He is purple, a dark purple, with blue feet, blue hands, blue eyes. And the Gorgatron has one little tooth, kind of like Meatwad's tooth on the top, but this looks to be a tooth on the bottom that is sticking up. And we have the Gorgatron standing basically outside of the map, and it's in love. We see some little hearts go above his head, and the Moon Master character will just shoot out a bullet that goes first up and then just cuts a hard right, goes to the right, and, and knocks out the Gorgatron. Uh, the Gorgatron falls down on, on his behind, and there's a little broken heart above him. It's very sad. But the level design here, very phallic as well. This looking way more like a penis than even the first one. But again, it doesn't matter because the point of this one is not to get to the Red Wagon. It is to just kill the Gorgatron, a mechanic we had never seen up until this point. But I guess Meatwad just knows how to do it. And this will catapult him from 7,734 points to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 points. And I should mention, because I talk a lot about, you know, at the time this episode came out, I was in fifth grade. This is a number I was obsessed with in fifth grade, 7734. You type that in on a calculator, turn it upside down. Well, let me tell you, you're seeing the word hell there. And I was a bad boy. That's what I was living for at the time. Level three, beware the Gorgatron. What's that old Gorgatron doing? He's in love. Shoot him in the head. <laughs> Headshot. Rampage. Killing spree. You have mastered Moon Master. So Meatwad has mastered Moon Master. We get the cute Meatwad drawing where his eyes are kind of uh, filling up with tears in a way, like happy tears. He looks so happy here. He beat the game. He's so proud of himself. And we have the announcers saying, Headshot. Rampage. Killing spree. And that is a reference to the game Unreal Tournament that came out in 1999, which is a first-person shooter game, one of the big first-person shooter games of the time. Unreal Tournament is still around. They are still, I think, making a new one that's kind of like an open beta. Uh, maybe it came out at this point. I'm not sure. But the games aren't as popular as they used to be anymore, which is kind of crazy because definitely when this episode came out, uh, Unreal Tournament was a big deal, and it just kind of dropped off, and I I'd be more interested in, in learning about why. Meatwad, though, so proud of his achievements, and this has me thinking back on my greatest gaming achievement, which, <laughs> that's a fun sentence to say, but yes, I, I truly do have one. One of my favorite games of all time, or should I say, it probably is my favorite game of all time, it is called Natural Selection 2. It's, it's an asymmetrical game, so either you're playing as Marines, who are, you know, typical FPS humans, they have guns, things like that, or you play as aliens, and the aliens are all very different, and, and you kind of uh, can evolve into other alien life forms, and you're in first person as well as an alien. So, for example, the starting alien, the skulk, you can climb on the, climb on the, the walls, the ceiling, stuff like that. It, it's a very interesting game. And there, it, there's also a like real-time strategy aspect where one player on each team plays as the commander, and they kind of tell the team where to go, what to do, like what rooms we're trying to take. 
and you're basically fighting over the map and control of the map. So that is one of my favorite games, and I entered into a rookie tournament for that game in 2017, and my two buddies, who, who were like my best friends since high school, uh, they entered with me, so it was three of us, and then we had a couple random people we got matched up with, and the whole tournament, again, it was for rookies, so people who didn't play at highly competitive levels, but there were a lot of very good players playing, and so my friends and our team, uh, we were just called Team 5, other, other teams... Like there was even a team with a coach who had like name a name picked out. A lot of teams had names picked out. We didn't have a name. We were just team five. The very first match we played, it was like best of threes and we lost, but there was a loser's bracket. So we went to the loser's bracket and we won every single game in the loser's bracket and we competed in the finals. So we lost the very first match, but we made it to the finals. We ended up losing, as you would expect, because the team that won was very, very good. Again, they had a coach and everything like that. But just to get that far was crazy, and I couldn't believe it, especially after losing the first one. And and my friends and I like weren't super great at the game, but uh, you know we all pulled together with our our new uh, buddies and and brought Team Five to second place. So. In that game now, next to my name, there's a little second place icon, which is very cool. So I, I know what Meatwad feels like here. That was definitely one of the highlights of, of playing video games ever in my life. It was so fun. But Meatwad, he's not going to get a little badge next to his name. He's actually going to get a visit from the Moon Knights. You are the Moon Master. <laughs> no in way. Yes way, uh. <laughs> For we are blessed to be in the presence of the Moon Master. But nobody makes it past level three. Someone just did, uh, <laughs> bow down before him, for he is our lord. That's right, just the floor. <laughs> now get up, you sick A million space pardons. Okay. So that was Ur. He was bowing down in front of Meatwad, kissing the floor. And I, I like when the, when the Moon Knights land, they don't just come in through the door or knock. They just jump through the furthest window <laughs> on the front of the Aqua Teen's house. So, of course, they vandalize the property but they are here congratulating meatwad nobody ever gets past the third level instantly you know that's bullshit because meatwad did it no problem so the moonanites are going to explain why they put this game out into the world and then we get a very interesting montage just visually something we don't normally get from this show to me it's very reminiscent for the king of the hill fans out there there's a very early episode of that show where Hank is having a bad dream or something and it's just of a completely different style than we normally got from that show and that's the same thing here because we will see Meatwad's game system with the Moonmaster cartridge in it we'll see that floating through space we will then see Ignignoct floating through space because he's telling the story it's basically like he's standing there panning across the screen while there's space behind him and then same thing with Meatwad we'll see Meatwad kind of reacting to the story while he is going through space. So visually, it's very distinct from anything we've ever seen on the show. But ultimately, uh, we will see the Gorgatron on the moon behind him. It is covered in flames. Of course, you know, it's our classic space ghost Hanson flame. So again, Ignignoct is, is explaining why they put this game out into the world. We get this cool visual montage. Let's give it a listen. We have distributed this game to seek out and find gifted warriors to aid us in our real-life struggle against the real-life Gorgatron. He's real. And he hates and us. And he hates us. <laughs> so we saw the Gorgatron again on, on the moon. And he looked very similar to how he looked in the video game, except he looked very angry here. In the video game, he was in love. He was happy. He was smiling with hearts above his head, but that wasn't the case here. 
there's an interesting visual component that I noticed that I don't think you would notice unless you're going through it frame by frame. But what I noticed is that because we are seeing the Gorgatron and the moon, from there we fade back to Meatwad in the house. And during that fade back, initially Meatwad is super pixelated, but then once the fade is over, he pops back to being just like a normal fidelity. Similar to if you've ever been watching a streaming service and then your internet kind of gets a little bad, it gets pixely, and then it might come back to being crystal clear again. That's similar to what it was like. I think just kind of being an example of the limitations at the time of the, of the software they were using when they're trying to blend scenes like this, I guess. But moving on here, Ur was explaining that the Gorgatron hates the, the Moon Knights, uh, Ignignacht and Ur, which, I mean, if he did, who could blame him? Because those, you know, the Moon Knights suck. <laughs> they're, they're assholes. But uh, now Ur is very, you know, I mean, you'll hear it, but you'll see if you watch the episode, he's holding a piece of paper reading off of uh, this piece of paper. But there's a typo, and he likes it. The Gorgatron has destroyed our armies and villages and people and all of our pets, and he has laid waste to our craps. <laughs> Crops is what I typed, Ur. Uh. But it says craps. I know, Ur. Uh. Craps is funnier. I've processed that humor. It should be craps, because craps is a funny word. Maybe we'll go with that. Anyway, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And if you think I got that from Star Trek, you are very wrong, mister. So won't you please help us? <laughs> Oh, uh, please stop fueling my silent rage. <laughs> so, again, this is something we've seen from Ur. When the Moon Knights first showed up in Aqua Teen, I think that, like, the first season, really, Ur just goes along with Ignignacht, but uh, at a certain point, he kind of develops his own character, and he goes against Ignignacht a lot and, and doesn't take what Ignignacht is wanting to do as seriously, which I like. It, it, it makes it more interesting than him just being a hype man, for Ignignacht and just basically repeating what Ignignacht says, but in a more crass way. I like when he has his own little personality, like we can see here. He's not even taking this seriously. So what exactly is this? What are the Moon Knights doing here? They're about to reveal that. Essentially, this game was just a plot to find people who are gullible enough to think that they actually did this this huge achievement, and then they're going to try and get money from them to buy from the Moon Master catalog. So Ignignax will walk out with the Moon Master catalog, the official catalog. It says that on the front. Uh, then Meatwad will start looking through it. Uh, basically, the visuals of the catalog are the same as the, the game cartridge. It's like the guy with the sword standing there. It kind of looks like a Roman uh, warrior or something like that. Uh, but he has like a gold cape on, gold helmet, gold boots, things like that. And he's standing on what's supposed to be the moon. Again, I think it looks like Mars because it's red. But uh, Meatwad will open the catalog and we'll see on the back it says, Are you a Moon Master yet? They will reveal there's also an instructional videotape. And that has similar graphics on the front. And then finally, Ignignacht will mention some sort of book called Who's Who Among Moon Masters, and you can get your name in the book if you pay even more. So it's all just basically a giant scam. They're here to rip people off and make money. Anything for the future of the moon. What kind of crap y'all grow up in? You got up there, man. It's the moon. First, we must train you. You can't go into battle like that. He's right. You would instantly turn to vapor. Well, what you need is our free warrior kit. Oh, most definitely. We're selling it, and you're buying it. It's got the helmet, energy bars, electric shoes, Gorgatron repellent, Moonmaster stickers, and now for the first time, instructional video. And it's all free. 
Okay, how do I get that? You pay far out the ass for it. <laughs> it's just three easy installments at $29.99. Unless you want our race to die, which it seems like you do. Oh, no, no, I don't want that, but I thought you said it was free. It was free. A true warrior would have jumped on it like a beast before it went straight up to $99.99. Well, damn. I guess I do need trouble. What you need is recognition. For a one-time charge, get your name placed in this handsome leather-bound volume of Who's Who Among Moonmasters. You're the only one, and you're on page one. Hey, you know what? Just a pretty good deal. Yes, it is, Kathy. So, yeah, Ur there calling Meatwad Kathy. Not really sure what that is in reference to. But back to the beginning of that clip, we had Meatwad asking, oh, what kind of craps do you guys grow up there anyways? He's using their lingo at this point, as, as Meatwad tends to do. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. But I love Ur just giving it all away. He's like, we don't grow anything up there. It's the moon. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, it was clear that this was all a scam. But yeah, we see what it is. They're like, oh, well, you can't just face the Gorgatron. Uh, we need you to help us fight him. But you need to buy all this shit in this magazine to do so. And the price for... For all of this was all over the place. First it was free, then it was three easy payments of, of $19.99, and now it's $100 you have to pay, I think, just for the magazine and or the catalog, and then from there you order more stuff. I don't know. The Moon Knights, they're going to be making a lot of money, although given the previous episode where they didn't have money for food, they kind of uh, rolled the dice on this one if the Aqua Teens would have any money. But as we saw, Meatwad, he's given $2 away every time to shake, so... Uh, he's got something stored up here. And we could see in our next scene now that he definitely had money because Meatwad is now decked out in Moonmaster gear. He is outside in front of the house. He has on the Moonmaster helmet. He's got on the, the Moonmaster cape, the electric shoes, and all of this is gold, of course. And then he's holding the, the Moonmaster lunar scepter in his hand. And he's going to be calling for Shake to come outside and they'll have some back and forth. Eventually, Shake gets tired of, of Meatwad, and he will just blow Meatwad's Lunar Scepter away with his shotgun. But it's okay. Meatwad, he bought the three-pack. <laughs> oh, so you just walked out here and think that you're going to face a true warrior. <laughs> and then, you know, sign my sheet to be part of my warrior list. Oh, you better believe I will. <laughs> After these messages. Shit! I said you better come out here and face the true world. <laughs> All right, is that it? Has he been faced? You done messed up the lunar scepter. There is but one in the known galaxy. Well, thank God I bought the truth, huh? Thank God it brought three shells. Come on, whip them out. So we see here that there's a lot more going on than Meatwad just buying this stuff from the Moon Knights. He's also supposed to get people to sign up on his warrior list, which is, at this point, a pyramid scheme. It is an MLM. Meatwad has become every woman that you went to high school with who messages you like 10 years later, like, hey, how's it going? By the way, I have a great opportunity for you. That's Meatwad now. He's trying to get people on his downline, but the thing about Meatwad is he doesn't actually know what's going on. For him, it's 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 truly about defeating the Gorgatron and helping the Moonanites. I think that's what it, it, Meatwad is in it for. We have a great joke there where he's like, oh, it's the Lunar Scepter. It's the only one. Good thing I bought the three pack and then Meatwad just whips out. Uh, he has uh, three more of them. I guess he bought the Lunar Scepter and then a three pack because he has a three pack with all three in it. And some great work here by Bob Pettit to, to recreate this kind of toy packaging style. 
the visuals on the package are what you would expect based on the the catalog, the game cartridge. It's that same art asset. It says Moonmaster, then it says Lunar Scepter 3-pack underneath. And there's actually a toy brand on this, but it's so tiny, the logo is so small that we can't see it. But luckily, Bob told me what it was when I was emailing with him. Bob told me that it was Conquer Toy. That was the uh, the brand that, that is releasing these. Bob clued me in on the whole process behind this. He said, I went to a nearby Toys R Us and bought some random stuff to see how blister wrap looks, both intact and ripped off from the cardboard backing. Those trips always lasted longer than planned. Oh, look, a new Millennium Falcon is out. Bob then says, also research the history of swords to find a suitable style for Moon Masters. So Bob, he was taking trips to Toys R Us to get us the artwork for this episode. Thank you, Bob, for your sacrifice. Toys R Us was an American toy chain that went out of business in 2018. I remember when it happened too, but I think the last time I was in a Toys R Us was like 2009, and that was because I was really into the Pokemon games at the time. So I had to go there to get like some rare Dragonite or something like that. So I guess I'm I'm a part of the problem. I don't think I ever really bought anything there. But as a kid, it was fun to walk around and look at all the stuff. And from what Bob says, it was fun as an adult too. A visual thing I forgot to mention is that Meatwad's helmet is just covered in Moonmaster stickers. So he bought the sticker pack too. And he bought something else, some sort of amulet. And we are getting really into the weeds on this uh, in terms of a visual error. But when we first saw Meatwad at the beginning of that clip, it was zoomed in on him. And the amulet was not there. And then it zooms out to show the whole house and shake. And the amulet just appears by Meatwad. Like it wasn't there before, but then it was just there. But... Meatwad is going to reference it now, and visually the amulet, it's just like, imagine a sphere, and then imagine somebody crumpled it. That's basically what it looks like. It's it's a, a light green color, and it has a little gold on top, which is where like a string connects. And in our next clip, it's going to come into play. Meatwad is going to lift it up, he's going to recite some words, and it's going to light up while playing back the Aqua Teen theme song. We're whip on this. Alright, hang on. Sha-na-na-na. Sha-na-na-na-na. What the hell are you doing? Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> what? Are you feeling like any sort of like melting sensation? No, but if I do, I'm going to totally tell on you, and then you'll have to go to jail. <laughs> no, 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 please. Don't tell. Oh, now that you mention it. No, no, just, I, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. But stand still. I'm going to do it again. Sha-na-na-na. Impossible! The lunar melting amulet is constructed of high tensile moon noodles. <laughs> no mortal man can destroy. Yeah, that's right. Then you too are a moon master. Now and forever. <laughs> what else you got in this catalog I can blow away? Oh, you got the catalog. That's wonderful. <laughs> I been mean to set up an appointment with you. The fleece is nice, but I don't like the zipper. First, you must pass. That which is unpassable. <laughs> okay, so a lot going on here. First of all, the Lunar Melting Amulet. That was an incredibly meta moment of this show that we really don't get. I, I can't remember a ton of other meta moments. I'm sure that there have been some, but playing the actual show's theme song in this way was uh, very surprising because, again, the show doesn't do that kind of stuff. So we're getting a lot of different aspects in this episode than what we've normally gotten. And to bring it back to this being a Moon Knight episode, we also don't typically get Moon Knight episodes Without the Moon Knights this much, I mean, we're getting these these long kind of shake meatwad scenes. 
this just touching on what I mentioned earlier and that the, the Moon Knights are involved, but they just kind of set the episode in motion. And of course, they'll show back up, but it's not just about them and their relationship with the Aqua Teens. They kind of plant this seed that we see disrupt the Aqua Teens. So it's turning the Moon Knight dynamic on its head a little bit. Back to the Lunar Melting Amulet. First, I have to give you a little visual error. There's a shot where it zooms in on Meatwad holding up the amulet, and you can see like a stray kind of set of pixels uh, outside of Meatwad's arm. But to the amulet itself, I reached out to Bob, asking him kind of like, what was this supposed to be? Because I don't really understand the reference here. Uh, not just in terms of it being an amulet, but the look of it too. I just didn't understand. And Bob, uh, to summarize what he said, first of all, he, he mentioned how it's likely a reference to a, a sci-fi movie that Matt Malero likes. So that's where that's coming from. Bob couldn't recall the film, but it's possible if you do let me know that this is like, uh, like an obvious ripoff of something that isn't coming to me right now. But getting into the material of the amulet, Bob had this to say. The greenish material was based on 1930s radio lamps I was researching at the time. As the family was gathered around the radio, lights down, listening to a mystery theater program, before television, the radio was the living room center of attention, and before that, the fireplace or the hearth, they could look at these small glowing lamps almost as a fireplace of old, imagery accompanying the sound. There's an interesting essay out there on the role of the fireplace in housing architecture, how it changed locations within the household as it ceded importance to the radio and TV, eventually ending up in the basement rec room in the 1950s and 60s mid-century modern houses. So there's a history lesson for you from Bob. He actually sent me some photos that he referenced at the time for this amulet. So I'll post these on, on the Twitter and on the Instagram. Keep an eye out for those if you want to see what Bob was drawing on when he was literally drawing this amulet. Because again, to me, it's so visually distinct, but I'm like, what is this supposed to be? But Bob sent me one photo that I'm like, oh, I could see where he was inspired to draw this. Another visual thing I want to mention is I, I mentioned that Meatwad was wearing the electric shoes from the catalog. Well, when he moves up to shake at, at one point in the previous clip his little feet move like he i guess has little feet in these shoes instead of just normally rolling so that's a, a funny little visual there that we don't normally get from meatwad because he typically does not have feet and then lastly in that clip shake took the catalog out of meatwad's hands and was looking at it and then that's when meatwad's like oh you have the catalog too meatwad was all excited about that but then shake will throw that in the air and then blast it with his shotgun just like he did the amulet before it and the lunar scepter before that so meatwad is going to give shake the test that nobody can pass except for meatwad he's the only one in the world who passed it well surprise surprise we cut right to the end of that experiment. Shake, he passes it too, and the Moon Knights come into the room. Congratulations! You're the Moon Master! In your face! <laughs> Unbelievable! No way! Beyond all comprehension. <laughs> Nobody makes it past level three. Well, it's a party. Remember me, guys? Oh, yes. How surprisingly delightful. Two moon masters in one house. What are the chances? I'm not surprised. Me neither. I'm damn good. <laughs> so remember, Meatwad, he is dressed up in the moon master swag. He is proudly displaying it, and the moon knights are like, oh, nobody is, nobody's done this before. 
They seem pretty rehearsed in this. First of all, I'm impressed that they're able to come down instantly after somebody beats the game. I wonder how that technology works. But they kind of are committed to this bit at this point of doing this. I have to wonder if they have done this to other people. And of course, we will see, spoiler later, that there's one other character in the show who they pulled this on. But what about people outside of the show? I wonder if they've pulled this on any any other people. And this is uh, some free prompting for you uh, if anybody here is in the fanfiction community. I think that you could easily write pieces about other characters being invaded by the by the Moon Knights here after beating this shitty game. And back to the video game element, because I think this is really the last time we're going to get the video game element in this episode. It's kind of cool this season that we've had a big kind of shift towards video games. We've seen them a lot throughout the episodes. I mean, Video Ouija was based on it. This episode is basically based on it. We had Shake in RoboSitter playing a video game, which, by the way, in that episode, I didn't describe what he was doing, but you couldn't really see. You just kind of saw shapes on the screen, but it, it didn't stand out to me as anything. And I was watching some old MTV with my friends, and we were watching it on YouTube, and it had the... Uh, the commercials in it. We were watching Date My Mom for anybody wondering, uh, that, that gem of a show. And there were a lot of video game commercials. And I don't know, I guess I don't really see commercials anymore. But at work in the break room, the TV is usually on. And I feel like I don't see video game commercials there, even when I have Adult Swim on at work. So at the time, video game commercials were very prevalent. And maybe this is Matt and Dave writing about video games sincerely, or they were maybe trying to appeal to their audience a little bit more. That'd be a good question to ask those guys. But all right, I'm not the only one wanting to ask questions. Shake is going to ask a question. He's going to ask how this whole thing works now, since he is one of the chosen ones. He is a moon master. How does the process begin? So how does this work? We got nationals? Uh, <laughs> see, you also the savior the race, like me, okay? So you gotta buy all the stuff in this catalog, then I get points, then <laughs> so do they get points, and you get points too, but so they can get that gorgeous round kill, and somehow, someone gets a Ferrari. Yeah, I get the Ferrari. I'm the Moon Master. Speaking of the trash-ass television that I just can't stop watching, one of the shows that I like is Sister Wives, and I've talked about that in a previous episode, like a community jiggle or something. I said I started watching it then. Well, guess what? I'm all caught up now, eagerly awaiting the new season. And basically all of the Sister Wives on that show, they run like MLMs outside of the show. That's how they make a lot of their money. And I love Little People, Big World. A lot of, not, not the original people on the show, not the actual family, but their wives who, who married from other families, uh, they are doing MLM things on Instagram. And it's so funny to see all this shit. And also people that I've known in my life who have, have tried to do MLMs with like weight loss, who just suddenly start posting out of nowhere. Hey, I've been losing lots of weight with this drink. Like they're writing in a style they've never written in before. It's so glaringly obvious. And so many people get sucked into this because it's like, yeah, you'll get points and I'll get points and, and you could win a Ferrari and, and this and that. And it's all just a huge scam. Only the people at the top make out well. Everyone else basically loses money on it. And it's just very sad. It's very predatory. Do not get caught up in an MLM. If it's the last thing that you do, don't be like Shake and meet Wad. So continuing with that, we are then going to transition to Carl's Pool. The Moon Knights are in Carl's Pool. 
and we have Meatwad and Shake in front of the pool. And this time, Shake, he is decked out in Moonmaster swag as well. He's got on the helmet. He's got on the cape. He's got he's got the amulet around his neck. He even has like a little cod piece with an M on it. But he has the stickers, but they're not on his helmet. The stickers are all over his body. He's got a lot of stickers on him. In case you're wondering, I count 20 stickers, but it's kind of hard to differentiate between them. So I could be off on that. Maybe more like 21. I don't know. Anyways, the Moon Knights explain, all right, you got to go out and get people to sign up to this. And this is the great thing about this show, having such a limited budget and a limited amount of characters. Because, of course, Frylock's going to float up. He's not going to be pleased that the Moon Knights are hanging around with, with Shake and Meatwad. And because he's the only other character there, he's going to get swarmed by Shake and Meatwad to sign up to also be a Moon Master. Now what? Go out and find 50 others that are rich enough to take pleasure in this facade. <laughs> Yo! Sign my thing! Well, you are a sign mine. <laughs> Go out and do my bidding. I don't know 50 people. Can I help someone? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Come over here first. I want to show you some literature. Show us how you sign on them. I know you know how to do it. You bring your pen with Nobody's it. talking to you. Let the adults speak. I'll get your moon master pen. How's that grab? I want you to take a look at this Gorgatron repellent. Go over it at your own pace. No pressure. But I do need you to sign it right now. So I love that initially Meatwad and Shake are looking at each other like, hey, sign my thing. There's something I forgot to mention about this episode that is also different than what we usually get. And that is the transitions we are getting between scenes. Typically, we'll just cut to the next scene. We're actually getting kind of like like slide effects between scenes uh, and, and sweeps and things like that that we don't normally get. And I wonder if they're kind of drawing on Star Wars in a way. I don't, I'm sure there's other sci-fi movies that do that too but i know star wars definitely has those kinds of transitions episode four at least off the top of my head and they're doing it here and it feels very out of place maybe not really in a bad way i'm not knocking it it's just very different than what we normally get from the show because again typically it just cuts right to the next scene as opposed to having a, a swiping effect like you're making a powerpoint or something in middle school as you would expect here, Frylock is not buying this. He knows something's up. He's, he's not dumb enough to fall for this. So he's going to kind of ask the Moon Knights more about this Moon Master program. So buying all this stuff is going to help you kill this Gorgatron thing. How? Just tell me that. Well, wouldn't your ass like to know? <laughs> that is why he asked. I know, Ur, <laughs> shut up. I am in control of this conversation. Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> so a short clip there, but I really like... This really exemplifies what I was talking about with Ur earlier, because if this were an earlier Moon Knight episode, then Ignignoct would say, well, wouldn't you like to know? And then Ur would just chime in like, yeah, I bet your ass would like to know that or something like that. But here, now that they've developed these characters a little bit more, we have Ignignoct. He's even speaking a little bit more sassy. He's like, well, wouldn't your ass like to know? And then Ur just chimes in like, well, well, yeah, that's why he asked. So adding in this humor, similar to the Plutonians, like this is a, a big demarcation that I had between the Moonanites and the Plutonians, especially in season one, was that the Plutonians bickered a little bit more. And the Moonanites are doing that now, too. And, and as I said at the beginning of this podcast episode, this is really my favorite Moonanite episode. And we're seeing that on full display here. That's just my kind of humor where they're kind of bickering and, and Ur is, is uh, poking holes in Ignignox's explanations and actions. I should say visually there, Frylock took Shake's catalog and then you, you heard like a ruffling noise. That was Meatwad down below kind of waving his catalog in Frylock's face. Like he wanted Frylock to take his catalog so that he would sign up 
in Meatwad's catalog, so he would be on Meatwad's downline as opposed to Shake's. And there's a, a really tasty visual error that we are getting. We're basically getting a very pulled back shot because they're trying to get Shake, the Moon and Knights, Meatwad, and Frylock all in the frame here. And to do that, they have to show more than the background allows them to. So if you're watching this, look at the left side of the screen around this part, and you'll see it's all kind of glitchy towards the left side. I think that somebody did a very quick copy and paste job. They just kind of copied and pasted the background over itself to fill out that space, but they didn't have, you know, a new drawing for it. They didn't have beyond the house of what they have at, at a certain extent. So they just copied and pasted it, and it, you, you can look, and it looks very wonky in the distance. Jumping back in, though, Frylock was saying, all right, well, I'm waiting. He wants this explanation from the Moon Knights. And now Meatwad's going to follow up on that, basically just trying to get him to sign his catalog. And then Shake will chime in, trying to get Frylock to sign his catalog and sign up through him. Well, I'm waiting. Well, while you wait, take a look at some of our weaponry for spring. No, no, that stuff falls apart in your hands. Just because the temperature rises doesn't mean you can't still be propelled. Now, I love... The battle axe is on page nine. They <laughs> got a great the grip, they got a good weight in your head, and you can get shorts. two of those in the defender pack, right. which for my money is the best deal. Shake, will you get that out of my face? They are literally just shoving their catalogs in Frylock's face. I love seeing these guys try and be salesmen. They are failing spectacularly at it. And I love the visual discrepancy between Meatwad's catalog and Shake's. As we've discussed on the show, Whenever Shake has any props, they're usually bigger than the other characters because he is a large character. So Shake's catalog is much bigger than Meatwad's, and when they're they're kind of like holding them next to each other at certain points, and you can see that Shake's is much bigger than Meatwad's. It's very funny, but that's what they have to do to get it to look reasonable when Shake is holding it, because otherwise everything would just be mini for him. Moving on to our next clip, it's really more of the same we've been getting, and I'm not saying that in a complaining way, because I love this, it's so funny to me, but the Moon Knights, they're going to try and sweeten the pot to get Frylock to sign up. Alert him to the fact that we will throw in a wacky wall walker, his <laughs> choice of five colors, if that's what it takes for the dog to bite. Just give me an example of your signature. Shay, what? <laughs> he has a friend that made over two million dollars doing this. Out of the house! That is very extremely true. <laughs> that old boy didn't have to get dressed. Look here, there's a naked picture of him. Oh man, I thought we cut that out. We did. So, the, the guy didn't have to get dressed even to make $2 million. And that's a selling point of a lot of this stuff. It's like, you can work from home, you don't even have to get dressed, you could be in your pajamas. But they accidentally printed a nude photo of, of their friend in the, in the catalog for everyone to see. And I, I, I like Ignignock saying that is very extremely true in regards to this friend making $2 million. And you figure he's going to say that is an extreme case. Like, oh, you can make $2 million, asterisk. But uh, he's like, that is extremely true. You know, you, you will easily make $2 million in the nude and we'll even print you in our catalog. But surprisingly, this was a mistake. So the Moon Knights are going to take off and they're going to run away to fix this. They're running to their printer to get this mistake fixed. But before we go to our next clip, I want to shout out that uh, when Shake was talking, because again, he has the stickers all over his body, he has some on his face, and he's kind of expressively talking with his face, and we really can see that the sticker is not moving on his face. And, and you'll get that in Aqua Teen when something is is on a character and the character is moving, that item will remain stationary and it's pretty glaring, but it really adds to the charm of the show. 
as you know, anytime I point out these errors, it's not to criticize the show. It's really out of reverence, and I, I love the mistakes in the show. I would be mad if the show didn't have mistakes. It makes it so much more fun to watch, so much more fun to talk about, and it shows us that something can be great but not be perfect, which I think is a very important lesson, that they didn't sweat the small stuff. It doesn't matter that the stickers aren't moving realistically with Shake's animation. It's fine. Moving on, the Moon Knights are going to swim out of the pool and they're going to go around front to their spaceship, which is parked in the Aqua Teen's driveway. Frylock is going to follow them and point out a pretty glaring inconsistency in their story. If you'll excuse us, we have a meeting with our printer on the moon. Well, why would you want to go up there? I mean, that's where this Gorgatron is, right? Well, I know that. I said that, but... <laughs> It's his nap time now. Because he likes sleeps during the day. But at night he feeds. And it's always night on the moon. <laughs> Don't with me, Ur. So there is Ur again pointing out, like, it's always night on the moon. So what you're saying doesn't even make sense, Ignignock. But yeah, obviously, you know, we know this is bullshit. Frylock knew this was bullshit. And, and he's just making it more clear with the Moon Knights need to go back to the moon. Apparently this printer's on the moon, by the way, because they seem sincere in that aspect of having to get this fixed in the catalog. So that expands a little bit more of our moon lore that there are printers up there. This is printed locally on the moon. We're going to have another Moon Master show up, and this time it's Carl. That's right, they're bringing Carl in towards the end of the episode here. He is wearing the Moon Master helmet. He's got on the cape. He's got the sword, he's got the codpiece, and he also has the electric shoes. But you might notice here, Carl, he did not buy into the stickers. He did not get any Moonmaster stickers. Oh, he also has the amulet around his neck. Carl is basically walking up to Frylock to try and sell him stuff from the magazine. And then he'll see Meatwad and Shake also decked out in Moonmaster gear. Meatwad's waving to Carl, so Carl will realize what's going on. And then they're all going to kind of race over to Frylock to try and get him to sign up. Hello, lady or gentleman of the house. <laughs> My name is, insert name, and I am the one and only Moonmaster, savior of, uh... Oh, man. They already talked to you, didn't they? Damn it! Who? Right here, Lurgan, would you sign this? No, you don't sign oh, right. I'm the one. I need points. I'm still a cadet here. Please, Moon Masters, silence. Yeah, shut up! So, poor Carl, he's still a cadet here, and he needs somebody to sign up. A very fun visual thing on the helmets. The helmets are supposed to say Moon Master on them, but a lot of the time throughout this episode, it's reversed. So instead of having Bob basically do two angles of the helmet, of course you know that they're just having him do one angle and then they flip it, they mirror it when a character is looking the opposite way like they do with everything else on this show. But because there is text on it that says Moonmaster, the text is reversed. So actually the first time we saw that helmet, when Meatwad was wearing it out in the front yard towards the beginning of the episode, you couldn't even tell what it said because it was reversed in that initial shot. So I didn't even register in my head that it was supposed to say anything until right now I noticed Carl's helmet did say Moonmaster. So very funny there that a lot of the times it is reversed, you can't even read what it says, but it is supposed to say Moonmaster. And another fun visual thing is they only really have like one drawing of the catalog. So if you look at the way that Carl is holding this catalog when he's reading the script, it's at a very strange angle. It's not the, the angle he would really be holding this at, but they only had it drawn at this angle. So, hey, that's the angle it's gotta be. At the end of that clip, we have the Moon Knights actually instilling order because it was absolute chaos. We had Carl, 
Shake, Meatwad, they were swarming Frylock to get him to sign this. I'm surprised that Frylock is putting up with this as much as he is. You figured he would just go inside at this point or blow up the, the catalogs or something. But, uh, you know, Frylock here, he's getting swarmed. The Moon Knights call for silence. They're going to pull a little trick on the Moon Masters. And then they're basically just going to hop in their spaceship and fly away. The Gorgatron approaches. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Are you serious? <laughs> I only got one signature. Are we ready? You're always ready. For you are a Moon Master. That's right. And see you later. We got to go harvest our crabs. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> So that's the Moon Knights taken off. Shake says he only had one signature. I have to wonder who it is. Is it his own? I wouldn't suspect it is. Did he get Meatwad to sign it? I guess Meatwad could have signed it because he doesn't fully understand the situation that's going on here. Yeah, I don't know because we never saw anybody sign his. So maybe it was some other person. The Moon Knights played the oldest trick in the book. They just did a simple fake out and got out of there. <laughs> I like the callback to craps. Ur just can't let that go. Even though that was like way earlier in the episode, they didn't even really remember that Meatwad was a Moon Master when they came down to uh, bestow it upon Shake, yet uh, he still remembers craps from, from way earlier. So the Moon Knights are gone, and we have the Aqua Teens and Carl just kind of talking about this. I forgot to mention with Carl, he also has on this like six pack ab thing uh, like over his shirt that looks really cool. Uh, he looks He looks very tough here. And a visual thing that will happen is, is Shake will kind of be like, yeah, we couldn't really use this to fight the Gorgatron. And he will be hitting the Lunar Scepter, the, the sword, over Meatwad's head. But every hit on Meatwad's head causes the sword to deform more and more because it's just a cheap plastic toy. So he's really just breaking it over Meatwad's head. Well, in typical Aqua Teen style, Shake will throw the Lunar Scepter on the ground. It will explode, launching Meatwad out of his gear... And so for the rest of the scene, after the explosion, Meatwad, he only has on his Moonmaster helmet. Huh. Where's the Gorgatron? There is no Gorgatron! <laughs> oh, thank God. I mean, you think we'd defeat him with this? <laughs> we each should have had our own defender packs. Yeah, just the one with the uh, stickers and the instructional video. How to work stickers. <laughs> I found it to be informative. All right. Look, for the record, I know that there ain't no Gorgatron, all right? I'm just doing this for the Ferrari. You know some naked dude made over $2 million doing this out of the house? I know! They were friends with that guy! <laughs> so Carl here, he's like, I'm not a total idiot. I understand there is no Gorgatron. I'm not doing this to help the Moon Knights. I, I don't think that there's actually a threat. He's just in on the MLM aspect. He, he wants to just scam people and make money. And I think that was pretty evident on his delivery when he was trying to recruit Frylock that he was... Literally just reading it out of the catalog, not even changing the name to Frylock. He just wanted the money. He he was in this for no altruistic reasons whatsoever. Which, I mean, it's Carl. What do you expect? I'd be disappointed if he did want to help the Moon Knights. I have to really wonder how much all of this swag that they bought was. Because it seemed like everything was incredibly highly priced. I wish we would have gotten to see inside the catalog. I, I would have liked to put together uh, how, how much each of these guys spent on this shit. We have our last clip of the episode now. We are up on the moon, and we are just close in on the Moonanites. We have Ignignoct and Ur standing in front of a pile of Moonmaster swag. And we're going to see two new items here that we heard about but did not see up until this point. First of all, we see the Moonmaster energy bars in the background. 
I wonder if they wanted to work those into the episode outside of this and couldn't really find a way. I'm not sure. Uh, they should have had Carl eaten some of these. I think that would have been good. Uh, and then we also see the Gorgatron away spray that they kind of reference, the Gorgatron repellent. And that is a uh, purple can with a Gorgatron on the front. That's really it. It's pretty nondescript. And, and the energy bar is the same kind of art asset we've seen on all of these products. It just says energy bar on it. So we have the Moon Knights there, and then we pull back and we see the Gorgatron is on the moon. So it is like a real creature. Ur will go to spray it, and then the Gorgatron will step on Ur. Tell him, uh, with your parallelogram mouth. Uh, see, what you need is the uh, official keychain. So you gotta upgrade to the Stargate pack. You mustn't face the Gorgatron with your keys all willy-nilly. He's right. Oh, shit. You're the Gorgatron? Yes, uh, I told you this was a mistake that you were making. I tell you what, Gorgatron. I'll throw in the keychain. How you like that? You like that, fatty? You are a fatty! <laughs> he said no, uh, with his foot. With his foot. That got cut off. Uh, I, I couldn't quite hear the T that Dignox said because it cuts right into the theme song. But yes, that is Moon Master, although there are a couple things about that clip I want to discuss. First of all, Ignignox saying, er, like, tell him with your parallelogram mouth. I was like, is that a quote from a song? That sounds so fucking artsy to be in an Aqua Teen episode. But anytime I Googled it, I would just get references to the show. So I don't know if they were calling on something, but I feel like I really heard that in a song somewhere. So if you know, please let me know because it's driving me crazy. Er references the official keychain, but to get that, you have to upgrade to the Stargate pack. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had Stargate jokes before, the Fargate and Universal Remonster. So fun to see Matt put in a reference there to uh, something. I don't know if he's a Stargate fan per se, but, but something he is aware of at least. And then we get a visual error in this scene. They have to pull so far back to show the Gorgatron that if you look above the stars on the screen, like at the very top, it's just black. Like the, the stars just cut off because typically, you know, the Moon Knights are small characters. They can zoom it. They really just zoom in on them when they're on the moon. But because the Gorgatron is a giant monster, they have to really pull back. And again, we're just seeing the edge of their backgrounds here and they have to fill it in with something. So they just filled it in with black. All right, that is Moon Master, a.k.a. Moon and Knights 4, the final mooning, a.k.a. the Moon and Knights final mooning, depending on where you're watching. Before I give you my thoughts on this one, what can we learn from this episode? I try and be thoughtful with these. I don't know if it works or not, but this one is, I, I can't ignore it. Don't get involved in an MLM, a pyramid scheme, unless... Now, there's, there's an aside to this. Unless you're like a huge popular influencer, then I think it could work as long as you don't mind fucking ruining people financially who can't afford it. If you're okay with, with exploiting people financially like that, then have fun with it. You'll be fine. But if you're not in that position, and also if you have morals, do not get involved in a pyramid scheme slash MLM, you probably will lose money. So, on to my thoughts here. I already said it. I can't hide it. I can't fucking joke around with it. I love this episode. It's so funny. It's my favorite Moon Knights episode. I guess my only complaint would be not a lot of Frylock, but even then, there, there's a decent amount of Frylock in this one, and we get Carl in it too. I hit a lot in this podcast episode about how 
Moonmaster is different than the other Moon and I episodes. And it's because of that that I really respond to this one positively. I, I very much enjoy this one. And now again, that's not to say I dislike any of the other Moon and I episodes because I love them too. But this one is my absolute favorite because we get just these great meat watch and shake moments. I love seeing them interact with Frylock in terms of trying to get him to sign up to their MLM. Again, like I said, the Moon Knights just put this one in motion. I love the idea of them getting swept up in this ridiculous pyramid scheme, but it's not all about them. They're not in your face the entire time. And when they do speak up, it's usually pretty funny. It's for a reason other than just to get screen time and, and dominate the conversation. I mean, Ignignoct even says that in this episode. He's like, I'm in, I'm in charge of the conversation or I'm in control of the conversation or whatever. That's what they try and do a lot. And this time they don't do it so much. And I think it really works seeing them used as characters who are kind of hanging out with the Aqua Teens in a way, as opposed to just dictating the episode. But beyond that, of course, great jokes. This one is incredibly visually distinct, and it, it always has been for me. Again, I saw it once in like 2005, and then did not see it for a very long time, but I always had the visuals in my head of all of like the Moonmaster swag that they have, like the sword, the helmet. It's just a very visually distinct episode. It's fun in that way. We don't even get any new backgrounds, probably because the entire art budget for this episode was to pay Bob to do all this different kind of merchandise. But speaking of the backgrounds, I like that we went to Carl's pool and hung out there. You know, we don't do that as much anymore, especially if you'll remember the beginning of the show when every episode ended that way. I like the video game aspect of this one. It's always a treat when we get these in-universe video games, as we talked about in Video Ouija. And a reminder that I covered the Aquadonk side piece on Moonmaster 9, Beware the Gorgatron. So I covered that, sh that uh, Aquadonk side piece. But also in another episode, I interviewed Nick Gibbons, who acted in and edited on that short. And we talk all about like video games and things like that. So if you're interested in the video game aspect of this episode, then definitely check out that interview and that side piece. Those are on YouTube. Ultimately, love this episode. I could, you know, I'm not going to sit here and regurgitate all the jokes that make it great. I'm just going to say I got to give this one five lunar scepters out of five. That's right. A perfect score. I can't get me enough of Moon Master. Great episode. And I hope you liked it, too. Thank you for hanging out with me, talking teens with me. If you want to let me know your thoughts about this episode, there are links in the show notes, the description. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can respond to the little question there about how you how you feel about Moonmaster or respond to something I said in this podcast. Of course, got to say thank you to the Moonmasters who support this podcast. I got to say, it's a lot cheaper to support this podcast than it is to fight the Gorgatron. And unlike the Moonmaster business in this episode, the real life Moonmasters supporting this podcast are actually making a difference unlike trying to kill the Gorgatron, because nothing in that catalog was going to help with that. So, of course, shout out to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, and Jason. Jason, happy belated spirit journey formation anniversary. He posted about that on the Discord. You guys can practice signing your name in my Moonmaster catalog any day of the week. I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.
Nobody makes it past level three. Well, it's a party. Remember me, guys? Hey guys! Oh yes! How surprisingly delightful! Two moon masters in one house. What are the chances? I'm not surprised. Me neither. I'm damn good. 